We're live right now. We got a conversations podcast. We are so blessed to have a special guest here, um, a friend of Pastor Bucky's from back in the day. Pastor Lloyd, you are here. Hello. Good morning. Hey, how are you doing? It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. So good to be here and have you. Thank you for making the trip. You drove in this morning from where? Tell us. Uh, all the way from lovely Cerritos, California. Okay. Not too far away. All right. Is that where you guys live, by the way? Yes. Okay, so you live in Cerritos, and you're part of a pastoral team at a church in L.A. called? New Life L.A. New Life L.A. Fantastic. And, of course, we got Bucky here. Hello, Bucky. Hey, everybody. Watermark. Good to, good to see you guys. Good to have you online here. Oh, it's my gosh. Yeah. Fun Mark. to have this conversation with Ben and Pastor Lloyd, good mm -hmm. friend of my past, and... Uh, We've uh, enjoyed a lot of great memories, a lot of great basketball, a lot of great fun together. So I'm so excited to have Lloyd here with us today. That's right. And we have some technical difficulties. <laughs> I didn't even give these guys a warning. We just jumped right in. <laughs> Thank you for your patience, everybody in the room. But that's right. So you guys know each other from basketball. At what university? What, what, what suspect university? The, the best Christian university okay. in the nation. Right, okay. Lloyd? You know, it's ironic. I, I know there's <laughs> other schools in the area, but... You know, Biola Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Yes. But if you break it down further, Bio Life LA. Yeah. I mean, just full circle. Where'd yeah. you go to school? I went to this sweet little college down the street from y'all called Azusa Pacific University, uh, named Ooh. after a street. Highway. Highway. What's the what is it? Sixty. I don't know, but yeah. it's not yeah. nearly as theological as that title. When Lloyd and I were in college, we used to pray for you guys. Yeah. yeah it seems like maybe some good yep. things might be happening around there. Keep those, prayers, <laughs> keep, keep those prayers coming right now for our friends at probably both universities yes. right now. Definitely yes. full circle. Yes, yes. Um, okay, but you guys play on the same basketball team. I heard you guys talking before the show. Were you, Bucky, were you a couple years ahead of Pastor Lloyd? Yeah, uh, Lloyd's first year, I was a senior, he was a junior, and All we right. came together and we had a really, really good team. Yeah. Uh, that's because Lloyd was on the team. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we had some Not great either. players on that team, and fortunately, we were able to put it together. We won the National Christian College Championship, which was really fun. NAI. Yes. No, it wasn't NAI. NAI was one of the the leagues we played in, but we were also a part of the National Christian College Athletic Association. Okay. So we went to their tournament at the end of our season, and we won that tournament. So yeah, that that, that was a good one. Okay. That was a good one. That, that, I love the glory days. I love looking at Bucky's old pictures on his desk. You know, he's got babies and he's got Biola basketball <laughs> pictures. That's those. Are, we see where Bucky's value system lies. But okay, here's a real question. We're just jumping right into it. I've heard Bucky many times say that he's looking forward to his life in eternity in heaven, for he will be able to dunk. Keyword again, again is the keyword, and I want to talk to a witness who was there and can tell me, Lloyd, could the man throw down? Was that is that truth or fiction? Bucky could absolutely throw down. <laughs> but now here's the thing you have to understand about about Bucky. Yeah, um, great athlete, a serious serious person, mm -hmm. and then he had a bunch of injuries. So by the mm -hmm. time he and I played together. Bucky was almost scary to me because he was working hard, yeah. hard, hard. Yeah. And then he would have to ice down after every practice. Yeah. And I tried that twice. I think I sprung my ankle. That's painful. <laughs> yeah. I think twice I actually did that. Right. It's painful. Every day after killing himself playing basketball with us, full practice, he would ice down. And I, I never saw anybody uh, at that point in life put that much energy and endure that much just to pursue his passion. Wow. It's amazing. 
That is what I'm talking about. I had no idea where that question would go, but that's great. That's yeah. great commentary on this man. And would I, I, I will have to rephrase that idea of heaven. I hope when I get to heaven, I can dunk like Lloyd Scott. <laughs> now, I had to try to dunk. He didn't even have to try to dunk. Yeah. Lloyd could dunk backwards, forwards, upside down. The guy was an amazingly gifted athlete. <laughs> And I always looked up to him and the skills, the God-given skills that he was given. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was, in 1985. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly where I was going to, to get insights around. You know, because most of the listeners are you know friends of Watermark. To get insight around what was uh, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old Bucky Dennis like, um, that is really revelatory. I love. It that. Hasn't changed much. I'm still ice and ice and every morning, <laughs> limping to work and trying to trying to figure it out. Can I tell one? one more Bucky story. Yeah. It, it was inspirational for me. So I um, always considered myself a smart person, yeah. but I didn't necessarily try hard in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So so Bucky, he's not going to like that. I tell the story, but I tell every time I see him. <laughs> so Bucky has, and I guess you guys have heard about the Porsche. Right? Uh -huh. So imagine I, I come to campus and you know I've got my 68 Malibu my uncle just giving me <laughs> um, to encourage me to get a B average in junior college. Yeah, you that's know. a sweet vehicle. So I'm, 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 I'm happy. <laughs> Bucky has this beautiful Porsche vehicle, right? But the only thing more beautiful than the Porsche was Kathy. So he's walking around with her. <laughs> so we're at a Christian college, so everybody can't look at girls. But he's married to Kathy. And you're yeah. thinking, wait a minute, he's got a wife? They're like 19 or 20, the Porsche. Then his address was like, two hummingbirds something in uh, Palos Verdes Peninsula. <laughs> but the amazing thing was this dude studied all day, all night, and he would sleep during the, during the day so he could get up and study more. He had a 3.9 something GPA. It was some weird dude back in, in, in some other college that gave him something less than an A. And I couldn't <laughs> figure out how somebody with all of that could be that given to studying mm. as hard as he did. Yeah. But it, it inspired me and motivated me to want to do stuff on that level. Wow. So, yeah, you guys got a real one here. Oh, oh man. Thanks, Lloyd. I can't I'm, believe what a great compliment. I, I can't believe you could put up with me with all that stuff I've been taking around the campus. <laughs> oh, only, gosh. only God's grace, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You're a good, you're a good, you're a good dude. Yeah, That's thanks, cool. Lloyd. That's really cool. Uh, man. And that, then, I know that bless him. Then he yelled at me on the court, but I won't talk about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. about shooting too much, man. <laughs> 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 I'm sure you earned the right to. Yeah. I got the 68 Malibu pulled up right here. That's a sweet vehicle, dude. Something like that. It was sweet to me. It was my first car. Oh, my my Robert God. Shaw. My Uncle Robert gave that car Ooh, to me. That's that a nice looking car. type of vehicle. That very, is a great starter cool. car, especially in 80, 81. That's yeah. still a Probably wish you had that back car. today, huh? I really, I didn't know what I had. Yeah. That car shows up in movies now. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I never would let that car go. Yeah. It's a great car. You can look that up, listeners, since you don't have the internet probably in front of you as you're working out or driving, but... Uh, man, that's a really cool insight. That's cool that you guys, you can go that far back when your memories of your friendship and, yeah. and of each other's character um, is really cool. And B Bucky will often share his, that part of his testimony as how, how hard he was striving. And uh, it's, on the one hand, very funny to think of you so um, roaring and, and, and kind of like uh, demonstrative in that way, because most people only define me that way today, probably for some obvious biological reasons. But that's awesome for me to think about you just being so tenacious and crazy like yeah, that. Yeah. But also cool on the spiritual side, because most of the way I've heard you share that, that part of your God story is that you were striving and then you learned grace later that you didn't have to strive so much. But meanwhile, God was still using even, you know, mm -hmm. your hustle as a witness to others who, you know, to be encouraged. So 
shoot, I guess this is just a blessing ambush on Bucky. Yeah. We got, we're going to have the it's next episode. Journey. We're going to get someone in here that can. It's a journey. It's a journey. And I think the, the thing that I'm blessed is that that journey, we can always reach back to the people that touched us, that we had good friendships with, and that we had great uh, appreciation for. And I think Lloyd and I have that kind of relationship. And that's why Lloyd's here today, because um, recently in our culture, uh, we've seen a lot happen, mm-hmm. uh, not only with the COVID crisis, but uh, also with uh, you know, the racial tension and, mm-hmm. and problem that's happening. And because of that, I thought about what, what would my response be? You know, who, who in the African-American community, who's, who's a black uh, man that I know that I could go back and talk to and talk about the situation right. with? And Lloyd came to my mind. And so... Uh, we reached back and renewed a friendship, which is way more important than anything. And it's been great to, to talk to Lloyd and have a friend uh, to give perspective. And so I'm really blessed to have him here today. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and it is really an interview for us to hear and listen to you, Lloyd. Um, and we also talked about in the beginning, we understand you said this. We understand that um, just because we have a friend from the community, we, we, we get that you don't view yourself, neither do we view you as, as, a, as a, some kind of monolithic voice for the entire black community. But we're thankful nonetheless that you can share your experience because we need something. This, the, the white evangelical church needs something to listen to and someone. We need friends that we can learn from. I think that's key. I, I think, first, I like the word monolithic mm-hmm. because I don't know if you can apply that to any group of human that's beings. Right. Right. And it's great that we get that out there. I think I would encourage everybody to think about if, if you're interested in the African-American aspect mm-hmm. of all of this that's going on, if you can reach out to a person, you have some relationship where you can get to know that person, mm-hmm. get to know them. Yeah. I mean, we, we create so much consequence in the lives of the people that are around us on either way you go, black to white or white to black, mm-hmm. that we can unintentionally and we do either intentionally or unintentionally impact the people in our lives. The best way to really know how you're affecting somebody is to talk to them and develop real friendships. That's so good. So I would encourage everybody to have these kind of conversations mm-hmm. just with the folks that you encounter in, yeah. your, in your day-to-day life. That's so helpful, man. It's a great starting point. I want to go back in a minute to your story, but that you've just given us something so practical, so relationally true yeah. right out the gates. Uh, because I think... You know, I, that same Christian college experience I was a part of was, was, was pretty radical for me in terms of like, hey, there are other people in the world that have different experiences than you do, Ben, growing up in Southern California. And um, let's see, where was I going with that? Essentially, I was trained. I had some kind of training that would have treated that as like, token, like a kind of tokenism, mm-hmm. like, like, oh, I should just go. And all of a sudden, in, 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 a, in a post kind of, and is really diving full speed into it, but in this post kind of George Floyd era, it was okay, like overnight, to get your friend on Facebook mm-hmm. or on the podcast or on Instagram or whatever and just start in, interviewing your, your friend of color. Mm-hmm. But I love how you're redeeming that with what you just said because what the weird words I hear you using is find a friend, find someone you have relationship with, and ask a question. And it's just so practical and so true. It, it doesn't make it about some kind of political agenda. It's just talk to someone and listen and learn from them. Yeah, and you know, I mean, really, I don't know how, and it may be easier for me being being black to say this, I don't know how we can think we understand how a group of people right. look or how they are, how they think, their character, based on how they look. Yeah. Uh, so that's not my experience. Mm. Um, but I think as an African-American, as a black man, as a black person, 
we have to live in a world that's dominated by white folks. Mm. So I have to learn the differences between one person and another person just to work and live and move and have my being and all that stuff wow. in, in practical life. Yeah. I don't know if it's always the same when we reverse the angles. Mm -hmm. So it may be that, that white folks have to be more intentional Mm -hmm. without being offensive. Yeah. I mean, if one of my neighbors walks up to me and says, hey, black guy, I want to talk to you about being black, right. that's going to be a weird, awkward conversation. I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking, about, I'm not talking no, about that. That's a non-starter. But if you know somebody, you know, yeah. and especially I'm thinking you, the guy's in the next cubicle to you, Yeah. maybe figure out a way to intentionally get to know that person. Because if you get to know the person, then you'll get to know the story. That's good. You know, mm. and you'll find how, and look for similarities. Yeah. Empathy comes from, identifying with your struggle, identifying with your experience. Right. The story I told about Bucky, it was a positive story, but I looked at Bucky and I said, the things that he does better than me, I can learn how to do that. Mm. It doesn't matter what color he is, mm -hmm. he's got some qualities that I want to take on and adapt, uh, adopt and then adapt. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, Coach Holmquist, um, you know, the coach for the best basketball program, Christian basketball program, <laughs> including Ever. his daughter. Ever. <laughs> of any generation. <laughs> um, he, because Bucky was a year older than I was, or a year ahead of me, he said, I want you to do what Bucky did for, our, for this team in 1985. I want you to do what Bucky did in 84. Mm. We're on the court. Race really doesn't have anything to do with it. I want you to have those qualities. Wow. And so I think we, we really benefit each other. Yeah. We benefit ourselves when we get to know each other yeah. as people. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's, a, again, another, the same point, but really worth emphasizing. And, you, and I don't think you can overstate it. I, I, in, in this same season, I've sought to really rip into some books that, that people I love and trust have recommended. There's one called Ethnic Blends. It's written by the Mosaic family, mm -hmm. you know, Mosaic in L.A. and Erwin McManus. Mega church down there, mm -hmm. and, and um, one of his friends, and, and then another book. Um, oh man, I have it open right here. What is it? It's a new one to me. Um, White Awake by Daniel Hill, really good. Mm. But but all of them say the same thing, and it's what you just said. A step one, you know, starting place number one, find a friend, phone a friend, like kind of Bucky did, even mm -hmm. with you, and, and just build relationship if you want to get kind of entry into their experience which again will not be no two probably the, the same but right, but you can right. learn and listen by by so i just think that empowers people really truly yeah. lloyd because i think a lot of people probably were intimid or, or intimidated to to reach back out because it's probably an old friendship like bucky did and I, I just commend you bucky that you know that was worth it the the, the cost of living in, in indifference or ignorance was enough to outweigh you know i'm going to reach out to a friend who maybe has something to teach me Yes. So that, I think that's a great step that people, I hear you say, be empowered, do, do that. Not, again, not in a, a foolish, awkward way, but, you know, be relationally, make sense, yeah. and go do yeah. it. It's yeah. really good. People yeah. are people. Yeah. Exactly. And we have a lot to learn from each other. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I just appreciated the time that we had together and even this time here because uh, just understanding Lloyd's story, his journey, getting his perspective, boy, I, I learned so much. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of the research on the white evangelical church is that we don't think there's a problem with racism. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very low percentage of the white church thinks there's even a problem with right. racism. And so if we don't even think there's a problem, then we're probably not postured to think that we need to respond or initiate or do anything about sure. it. And so I wanted, I'm hearing the voices of my culture hurting and I'm, I'm grieving over, over, you know, uh, black lives matter, white lives matter, blue lives matter, all of them are hurt my heart as a pastor. 
And so I want to get involved and learn and listen and say, what is, what is the problem? What yeah. am I not hearing? Right. And to have a safe person like Lloyd to speak the truth to me in a loving relationship, that's a great posture that I can learn. Right. Learn, you know, that's so, really good. Yeah. Why don't you start, why don't we go all the way back, Lloyd, and tell us about um, kind of your church, your city context. I, I want a lot of these people who are listening are majority Watermark um, community members. And a lot of us have been here for a lot of years. Tell us what. Tell us just about your church context, the people you serve, the city you serve. What are some of the dynamics, demographics? Hmm. We are a, a four-square church, mm -hmm. so we're on the corner of La Brea and Adams, twenty-six hundred South La Brea Avenue. Um, the church has been there. The building has been there, or a building uh, has of the four-square denomination has been at that corner for eighty years. Wow. Uh, this year. Wow. Um, we. <laughs> it, it, it's really a God thing, I believe. Um, the senior pastor, Todd Cleese, our senior pastor, is we've been friends for 40 years. We used to play ball together. He was recruited by Biola, but he's also a police officer. Okay. Well, I mean, Coach Lyons saw him yeah. and asked him to consider coming to Biola when uh, another teammate of ours, Kevin Dunnigan, and I were playing up there. Gotcha. So, uh, so he's a police officer. Today? I'm a police officer, yes. Oh, well, wow. retired. Okay, right, retired. Right, so we're right. both retired sergeants. Okay. Then another friend of ours, Robert um, Rivers, is we call him our chief of staff. He's just the guy that makes sure everything works. So he's there and his wife, Angie Rivers, who is a retired detective, we're kind of the leadership team of the church. Wow. wow. And so, and we're right there in the middle of South Central Los Angeles, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. And, but we are products of that community as well. So um, sometimes our congregation says things like, you know, we're really tired of cop stories. Other people say they really like your experience. We want, we want to hear your worldview, mm -hmm. but um, I think especially now it offers us an opportunity, a unique opportunity to bridge both worlds and to mm -hmm. to create peace and and answer some questions to create understanding. Um, and it's funny we haven't been on the ground and able to do that uh, since the COVID nineteen stuff, yeah. but. Um, Still, that's what's happening. Yeah, I had a long conversation with a police officer who was a, uh, he's a sergeant now, but he was a police officer level two when I was a sergeant, and we had that relationship. Well, we had an issue, I needed the police to respond, he showed up, now he's a sergeant, I'm a civilian, and we worked together to resolve a problem, and in doing that, we talked about a lot of the issues. One of the things I didn't know was how much um, the young cops who have nothing to do with the history of LAPD mm -hmm. uh, are getting hit in the head with stuff that you know they weren't prepared to deal with because a lot of those guys are not 30 years old yet. Yeah, wow. And the things that, as as a 57 year old black man, are part of the history and the reality of what America is, and and the things that I I, I know need to be overcome. Mm -hmm they are, are, are clueless about. Wow. And so there needs to be an education there as well because those young women and men represent something that they have no idea about, mm -hmm. which coming full circle seems to be what you guys are saying here is that, you know, evangelical churches, we're having a good time and, and there's a problem, what's, what's going on? Yeah, right. I, I think what, from my perspective, if I may go on, mm -hmm. I, I, I believe that we as Christians have to care about our brothers and sisters of all colors, mm -hmm. including blacks, like myself, um, and be concerned if they're injured. Yeah. 
For instance, if one of my kids who's black mm -hmm. or black, if they are injured, if, if my daughter cuts her foot on a piece of glass or if my son runs into something, uh, has a car accident, I don't say to myself, well, you know, it's not me. You know, I'm okay. Well, you have an interesting problem there. You're, you're in a car accident. Wow. Right. I immediately, it's like if, if he has a car accident, I had a car accident. Yeah. Probably because of my insurance, it's his insurance, I don't know. But no, I'm concerned about his life. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say by faith, we have to get to the point where I care about my brother or my sister. Color, it makes no difference. That's my brother, that's my sister, that's my family in Christ. Right. If his blood is in them and, and, and was shed for them, they are as important to me as anyone else who's in the body of Christ. Right without qualification. Mm -hmm. And it may take some growth to get there. It does. That's a supernatural thing. That doesn't occur in, in nature. In nature, we kind of separate and win politically and try to get as much as we can right, for survival. ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what we do in the natural. Mm -hmm. But we got to become spiritual. Yeah, that's really good. I, I hear a lot of empathy coming through, sympathy. That I, I, I read somewhere probably a great pastor, a Christian author said that's the, when you break apart sympathy in the Latin, the Greek, it's to suffer with. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're saying you do. And that's yeah. certainly the call as Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah. And you could probably even go even more general to a general level of grace in the Imago Dei, that every mm -hmm. single human being is stamped with that image. And so we show yeah. that they're part of a human human community or a human family, even if we have a, there's definitely a difference between that jump and the jump we get to Christian community. It's important to, to, to cry out with one another, to bleed with one another, to, to, to embrace one another. Yeah, it's funny, as I, we're in our Bible study at church, we're working through Acts right now, mm -hmm. and you see diversity from the beginning to the end. Right. You know, when Matthew ends, uh, Jesus is saying, I want you to go out to all nations without qualification. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus comes back in a vision in, in chapter 10 and says, hey, Peter, don't call common, you know, what is mine. Yeah. And then speaks to Cornelius and says, I got somebody who's coming to see you. Mm -hmm. We intentionally breaking through these barriers. Right. That says that the barriers are real. Yeah. And that something supernatural has to happen to break through it. It's good. But the people who are called of Christ have to be about the mission of breaking through that nonsense. So good. Mm -hmm. Calling a lie what it is. So yeah. good. Yeah. This this guy, Daniel, from uh, White Awake, was just going through some of those texts. Mm -hmm. And uh, he talks about reconciliation. When they mm -hmm. do their new believers class, or their, their new member class, mm -hmm. that's that the one of the, mo the, they spend a lot of time on theology, and one of their biggest takeaways is reconciliation. Yeah. Anyone who's going to be a member at our church should understand the working theology, Not, and I don't mean that in a social way or political way. Way. They mean it in a theological way. Mm -hmm. That is a word that is used, you know, whatever, 150 yeah. times by Paul to describe what the gospel is. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that's that that has to be part of our operating definition. I think is what you're saying. That's really good. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and here's it for the church. Shame on us if we stay. And I don't know what conservative is, but if conservative means that I have to be the last person to see the light. Mm -hmm. And everyone else in the media says we're all we're all the same, but Christians are holding on to some tradition that says there has to be a difference or a distance between those and those who don't look like me. Mm -hmm. What look at the opportunity that we missed to really lead in truth and righteousness in the name of Jesus? Yeah. yeah. So do you think we're missing an opportunity? A I think if I understand you, it, it brings up a really important question that I've been wrestling with. Mm -hmm. 
on the one hand, you think we're in danger of overemphasizing difference, uh, you know, defined in one way by race or class, ethnicity, right? In one way, are we in a danger of overemphasizing, uh, overemphasizing difference, and on the other, we're in a danger of not acknowledging it all? Well, I, I think context is important. Yeah. For instance, um, there are going to be some things about you. We talked about Biola versus Azusa. Mm -hmm. Azusa is a great school, mm -hmm. great school. But we like celebrating Biola and we like celebrating Azusa. Yeah. It doesn't diminish Azusa that I talk crap about Azusa. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And they're, they're different schools, but we both, we both coexist. Right. If Biola ever needed something, Azusa would be there mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And kids, Joe Perron, one of our teammates, mm -hmm. earned his undergraduate degree at Biola and earned his master's degree at Azusa. He's a coach at uh, Pacific, uh, Pasadena City, City College, College now. Okay. Um, I think we need to get to that point yeah. where clearly there are differences. Yeah. Clearly, you know, my family history, I can trace all the way back to Africa. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you necessarily want to be able to do that, right. but I should. You know, so yeah, our differences we should celebrate and when appropriate, we should share them with other folks when it helps somebody. Yeah. But at the same time, when there's a need, it should be a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's well said. Um, that makes me think of another kind of national question that's been looming. I've been I've talked and podcasted with some of my friends, and, and a lot of their opinion intake is that this country. You mentioned American history before, and the mm -hmm. police officers who need mm -hmm. to have a bearing of that if they're going to be competent to do their job on the force, which is an amazing point, by the way. Um, but some of these friends, they're of the mind that we, we haven't even had a moment of national consciousness that was a, a, an appropriate recognition of our history. Mm -hmm. and, the, and this, even this author is comparing us to Germany or South Africa that mm -hmm. did monuments, that, that memorialized, that, mm -hmm. that you could point to a, point, a moment in history that said, hey, you know, we, we, this should not be. We call it what it is. The author uses a great word. He says memory. We just have two different memories. Mm -hmm. Those who were raised in the United States South have a different memory. And we're not talking about 400 years ago. We're mm -hmm. talking about 20 years ago sure. and definitely 40, 50 years ago. That they have a different memory than maybe we do even in the Southern California South, which is not the same, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, that we have two different memories, so therefore two different histories. It's a complex way of just saying, if we can pull a question out of there for you, Lloyd, mm -hmm. is... Um, uh, at a national level, do you think that we've done enough there or do we need to do more? Oh, we clearly have to do more Yeah, because there's so many people hurting. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that's a great discussion. And one, again, I, I could speak of, in terms of my perspective, but I certainly couldn't speak with um, mm -hmm. any authority, sure. especially on a, a broad scale. Mm -hmm. But um, when you think, when you talk about ra racism, systemic racism, uh -huh. Myself, as somebody who's 57 years old, there's certain things I've just accepted throughout my life as that's just the way it is. Mm. For instance, wow. in 2002, if you would have told me there, you know, there's going to be a black president, I would have laughed at you. Mm -hmm. If you if you would have told me, especially by 2008, seven or eight, mm -hmm. in my lifetime, I would have laughed at you. That was just impossible. Right. And I didn't. I didn't. I didn't lay awake in the bed, you know, turning and, and, and messed up about it. It's just the way it was. Right. You know, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. It took some people who were thinking way outside of the box who said, why not? This kid is good. Give yeah. him a shot. Yeah. Um, so I think for, for those, for some of us, there's some stuff that's just systemic that we don't even think about. Wow. 
that's impacting everything. Mm -hmm. We know it's unfair, we know it's not right, but it's better than it was 50 years ago, it's better than it was 100 years ago. Yeah. And I think that's sin, because it misses the mark. Right. We have to get to the point where we're people. Mm -hmm. uh, Hakeem Jeffries, a um, uh, congressman uh, from back east, uh, and I forget where, where his constituency mm -hmm. is exactly, mm -hmm. but he said something on CNN that made so much sense to me. He, he, he said, why, ca why can't you just accept us, and I'm messing up his, his quote, but sure. why can't we just be the same? Why can't you just treat us the way you treat everybody else mm -hmm. since Reconstruction? When, why couldn't it happen then? Uh, during the Jim Crow laws, why couldn't it happen then? Even after uh, Brown versus the Board of Education, why can't you just treat us like everybody else? Yeah. And that's, to me, that's the bare minimum. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. take some work, but I think we have to hold ourselves accountable mm -hmm. to that, and we have to hold each other accountable to mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's really good. A good example to me, without getting way off, but there was a time when it was a given, even from the pulpit, that you would talk, make jokes about people from uh, the LGBTQ community. Mm. It was just a given. Right. You can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I think I don't I, I don't read bigotry in the Bible anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. It doesn't make me more. Doesn't make me closer to Christ to make fun of somebody. Right. So when I look at race, I think I should speak out against racism if someone says it in my area. Uh -huh. I should be. I should say to myself, Am I going to allow? Uh, if if I were white, mm -hmm. am I going am I going to allow a a, a white coworker? to belittle a, a black coworker when that black coworker is away from us? Mm -hmm. Or am I gonna say, hey, knock that off, don't do that. Right. We have to decide to be the more noble person, I believe, if we're really going to abolish this stuff yeah. and, and grow to where we, we should be. That's good. Uh, Lloyd, thanks, man, that's great, great stuff. I would like to ask you, because mm -hmm. you have this unique perspective we talked about. You've, you're, you're an African-American you've been a police officer for most of your life, now you're a pastor. Mm -hmm. And so we, we're in this time of history where we see these voices just going to war in our culture. We have the one side with the Black Lives Matter movement and crying out the Black Lives Matter uh, and, and really called to do something and create justice. And that fo focuses them right on the police department, which you've been, been a part of. And so mm -hmm. uh, as a black man hearing the call, yes, Black Lives Matter, and then the other side, defund the police department and we don't need the police department. How do you bring those together? And the pastor, how do you bring those together and say, what's, what do you, in your sense, what is the answer to all those voices in, in mm. bringing, bringing real change and good change uh, in the whole thing? Um, in, in a sense, it's an easy question for me to answer, so uh, it's almost wrong to make complex things too simple. But I, I, you just got to do what's right in every situation. So if defund the police means that you're going to hire social workers to deal with social issues and you're going to hire um, other specialists to deal with other social issues that a police officer isn't necessarily trained to do, cops have been asking for that for years. Mm -hmm. um, if... Um, I'm trying to think through some of what you asked me, but as a Black Lives Matter, if Black Lives Matter means that a black 
young man should not have to have a special step of things, special steps of things that he does in order to keep himself from being shot by a professional police officer. I, I don't think there should be a special way that the black kid acts in order to keep from being shot by, mm, by a police officer. Right. And I think there should not be that perception. Mm -hmm. So if something called Black Lives Matter uh, can help to clarify the roles, help police officers make their, make their communities feel more comfortable, to feel better served by the police, I think those are definitely steps in the right direction. Right. Um, clearly, in any group or organization, you're going to have those people that are more aggressive than other people. Mm -hmm. So if a more aggressive member of a group does something that's wrong, that person has to be accountable like anybody else. And that goes for police officers. When I was, when I was a police officer, I worked in internal affairs. And when I worked in internal affairs, sometimes cops did things that were wrong. Mm. And they had to be accountable for it. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to be accountable for what they do uh, when they're wrong. But the idea of the police, we need police officers. Right. The idea of equity and fairness and justice, black folks should be treated like, enjoy those things like everybody else. Yes. So hopefully those different organizations, just by doing what's right in the moment, can, can get there. Mm -hmm. But it's more than just a conversation yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about um, New Life LA? Tell, like, what's the makeup of the church, and what are the? That's one question. You know, is it what, what's uh, you know the ethnic makeup, the age breakdown, um, any other makeup? You how you define that about the church, and then also the community that surrounds the church. What are the, some of the needs and the ministries of in a surrounding area? Uh, the church is predominantly African American. Mm -hmm. um, we are. A lot of us are 50 and above, mm -hmm. and then we have some young families that are there as well, and some singles, and we just kind of work together as a family. We're yeah. about, a, I think, 200 folks with averaging maybe 120 every Sunday or so. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, um, we, we have some Latino families. Okay. But I would like to think that they're just our family. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd be a fool to think that they don't realize that there's a lot of black folks and there's us. And I'm sure that uh, I or we overstep our bounds from time to time. Hmm. I try to ask questions. Um, I try to make sure that um, at least uh, our families that are Latino know that intentionally by saying, and it's good, I try to make sure that they know that nobody is more important than um, the person I'm speaking to, mm -hmm. if he's uh, uh, Hispanic. Um, nobody, black or otherwise, has any more special position mm. in my heart than they, and, right. and I hope vice versa. Yeah. But I do that intentionally because there are not a lot of them, and there there are a whole lot of us. Right. So I think that kind of demonstrates how I look at that thing. Right. That, you know, you, you got to make people feel comfortable. Right. And, you know, we have women ministers in my church. Mm -hmm. So I intentionally look for the women who have, have acknowledged the call to serve, and I do everything that I can to make them feel empowered mm. because I know that they've had a tough road. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think those are the kind of things that we have to do when we, f when we know that the, the, um, the chips are in our favor. When we have leverage, 
we have to reach to those who might perceive right. themselves to mm -hmm. be on the other side right. and intentionally elevate them and lift them up. That's good. Uh, even if it costs us. Yeah. Mm. You know, as a, as a male pastor, it's not like the world is lacking male mm. pastors, right? Right. right? right. So when I find a 30-year-old young lady and say, no, you're the future, mm -hmm. but her future could be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's my preaching time. That's good. Mm -hmm. I've got to be willing to say, and, and this young lady I'm thinking about, I won't put it on blast, but she's really good. On any given Sunday, it could be, Lloyd, I know I asked you to speak this Sunday, but step aside because we're going to have her. She's a lot prettier than I am, you know what I mean? <laughs> I've got to be willing to risk that loss here and know that my God is so great, he's going to provide other opportunities for me. Yeah. Right. As opposed to yeah. putting up the fence and saying, no, it's not your time yet. You just wait. You be patient and only look out for myself. So good. That's you know, great. Those are the, that's kind of how that. we work inside the church. And, and my pastor, uh, Ty Cleese, who's one of my best friends, he's only three months older than me, he lets me, he lets me do whatever I want to around the church. Same thing. He could be protective. Mm -hmm. He could be defensive. But the body of Christ is meant, we're all meant to be one. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I become a little more skilled at this, I won't be having my phone. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, These mics are pretty good. They don't really oh, that's, a great, that's a great word, Lloyd. That yeah, sounds, you're, sounds. You're making me think of a picture, a verse that's gone all, around a lot in this season. I think you said the words lifting, lifting that person mm -hmm. up, elevating that mm -hmm. person. And that's what, back to that church in Acts you talked about, they, they maybe didn't do that overnight. A pastor I know in love and respect called Peter, you know, outright probably racist. There's a lot of ways where he was straight up racist. And, and they had to learn through the Holy Spirit, breaking through again and again, the spirit, the gospel of reconciliation, breaking through again mm -hmm. and again, that it, what it meant to lift up the Gentile widows, what it meant to, you know, empower these Gentile yeah. leaders. Um, and a lot of people have cited, you know, the lost sheep, you know, that you leave the 99 after the one, if that means, you know, you talked about that even with some of your Latino church members. Um, do you think, I, I mean, I recently, I learned that our churches should reflect our communities. Mm -hmm. and, and probably New Life does in large part, even if it's mm -hmm. predominantly African-American and, and, and then a smaller percentage Latino. Would you say it does pretty much reflect your surrounding we're not, neighborhood? We're not, we're not there because we yeah. have a larger Latino population. Okay. I think Latinx is the term we're supposed to use now. Latinx? Sure. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. Latinx. Because okay. Latinas are different than Latinos. Okay. I don't know. All right. But they, um, there, there are a lot of folks, but they, and they go to their own. They, they go to their own churches. Mm -hmm. and I don't mean that demographically. Sure. I mean that individuals go to their own churches. Yeah. But we have to be on a mission to have the doors open. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we have to passionately pursue them. That's mm -hmm. called the evangelism. Mm -hmm. And support them however they, they're fed. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our, our heart, they have to feel like they can come to our open door whenever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, that's important. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I feel like that's kind of the conversation I've been wanting to have with, with anyone that will sit down mm -hmm. with us, sit down with me is to say that's a conviction we have to embrace. Two things you just said. That we are striving to be open and welcoming and hospitable to our community and then hopefully we look like them. We mimic, you know, some of those demographics. But then number two, yeah, that we that we that we don't we go out of our way to make sure there are barriers at least. That there yeah. are barriers to entry for any person from any nation, mm -hmm. back yeah. to that verse that might come through. And here we are in Orange County. God has placed this church here on this corner in Costa Mesa and, and I've kind of tried to bounce that idea off of people you know that I've uh, that I've sat with that if we're reflecting our community where we're 
physically, geographically located, we would mm-hmm. be somewhat, we'd be probably, let's just even call it 50-50 white Latino mm-hmm. because African-Americans in Orange County are, are maybe 14% or a little bit less. Not that we, we need to be representative, exactly like you said, but mm-hmm. it almost feels like, a, like we can't, I can't even say that, 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 that even though I feel like that's authentic for where we're contextually located, mm-hmm. that that's what our church should reflect. In this moment, um, you know, there's so much pressure to bear that we reach almost quotas, if you will, of representation. And it's hard to get there when, well, when your county just doesn't even look that way. Well, um, I hope that through relationships, mm-hmm. uh, now, you know, uh, our churches have a relationship that if you need me to do something, yeah. or if there, and you have other friends from other different demographics, that we if, we, if we can really break down the walls, then you don't have to have a quota system. Yeah. You can just call a brother, call a sister. That's good. And, and, and have the help that you need mm-hmm. when you need it from right. somebody who, who knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't talk about in detail about some things that really need to be said because there are other people who have studied those things, you know, um, like history. I know tidbits about history, but there are other people who are historians who can tell you line for line what happened and why it happened and how it affected people. Yeah. Well, there might be uh, some folks that you encounter who need ministry, and there might be, and there will be some other folks not in your church walls who can come and help that person. Yeah. You know. That's so and, good. And we have, we have, but we have to. And the church has to work as one. Yeah, that's so yeah. good. That that's yeah. the next point that a lot of these great authors are making, just like you just made, is that at the leadership level or even the communicator, if it's a guest mm-hmm. communicator, guest pastor, preacher, should reflect some of those folks in, that mm-hmm. you want to reach and that you want to be oh, about sure. and have represented there. And that's sure. really good too. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, in our Bible study yesterday, uh, a young woman said she wanted help with the discipline. And I, I could tell it was more like, I want to grow in my career kind of discipline question. And so, and she wanted prayer. She said she just wanted prayer. What I asked her to do was to call me which would Friday because I knew I'd be here with you today, and let's look at some resources that help with that because there's so much literature and there's so many. And I said I'm not the one, but I think in the body of Christ we can pull together something to help you in that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will make us more effective as ministers. Yeah. If we get in the habit of reaching out to a larger body, no matter what the color or context is, right. and finding the person that can help the person in our congregation. So good. Yeah. To have the grace and humility to do that. That's yeah. great. That's huge. That's yeah. again, that's the spirit. Um, as we look at that, you know, demographic question, um, some would rightfully say, well, Ben, yeah, I looked at the number. Actually, Orange County, you know, African-Americans comprise less than 2% of the county. And you can hear the narrative. I can hear it because I've been reading a lot of it right now. They would say, yeah, Ben, that's for a reason. That's because of systematic racism, right? That's because mm-hmm. of, you know, redlining and, 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 keep, and making it hard for people of color to settle, settle in Orange County. I know it's a loaded question, but we have you here right now, and you are the authority, man. You are, for today, for this hour, you are. For Lloyd Scott, yes. That's right, that's right. So everyone recognize. Yeah. Um, can you speak, what's your heart on, on, on the systems when it comes to so-called systematic racism and some of those things that, that, are, that are in place? What, what's your heart on that topic, that buzzword, if you will? I think, well, my heart is it's wrong. Okay. It was wrong, Good. and where it happens, it is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure, and on, on many levels, it still exists, right? Because it just the idea that we having just the fact that we're having this conversation means that that question is still in the air. What about the black guy? Mm-hmm. You know, 
What about, you know, what issues is she gonna bring if I hire her? Right. And if white people, and I, you know, it's funny, I don't believe in race as a real thing. I, I believe that at some point in time, there were some people who were lighter skinned, right. who realized if they can get free labor out of these darker skinned people, it would work out financially for them. Okay. And you know we have to we have to have a way of keeping the system working. Right. And so lines were drawn, and they kept the darker skinned people with the curlier hair uh, in a certain area confined, with a purpose to work for free so that money could be made. Got it. So we fast forward. Here we are. That stuff is baked into the soil, into the cake mm. of everything that we do. Right. It's evil, but it is. Yeah. I only believe that you can break that down by changing, really being born again in your thinking, wow. being spiritual, and saying, I know this is how this has always worked, mm -hmm. but that's over now. Yeah. And I'm just going to see you, because we're talking church, yeah. I'm just going to see you as someone who my Savior died for. Mm. Um, we just have to, we have to intentionally do that. Yeah. Because that question is loaded, but it's, it's so real and it's so systemic that you could spend your, the rest of your life just working on one aspect. Mm -hmm and never get anything real substantive, uh, anything that, of any substance accomplished. Yeah, wow, that is such a powerful, uh, even uh, eloquent way that you talk about it being baked in. And I think that we need to pause it for a second, because, and, you, and then you talk about being born again. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Uh, again, this author who's written this book that thousands of people are reading, is just, he's quoting Floyd Scott right now, um, but that yeah. we need to be born again, which means yeah. a total comprehensive top to bottom, not just to, the author talks about how we just give a heart, our heart to Jesus as if it's like a, a portion of it. Mm -hmm. But he says we should emphasize Jesus' commandeering the ship. And that's, yes. and that's where born yes. again language is way better because born again means a revolution from head to toe. Yes. That you're, you belong to him completely. And so I love that is so eloquent and perfect. But I think if we, let's just camp there for a second, mm -hmm. um, Floyd, because you're really helping people who are listening who maybe have been battling back and forth. Mm -hmm. When someone said there's such a thing as systematic racism and you just eloquently even in a picture, an illustration, talked about being baked in, quote, um, let's just sit there. And again, we we're, the three of us are in agreement on mm -hmm. that. You know, and there's some sure, that are yeah. listening that maybe are still wrestling. And I want them to come to peace, that that's mm -hmm. a true part of our history and a part mm -hmm. of the systems today. Mm -hmm. But it, what have you seen? I guess the question I want to pull out of that is, why do people have such a, predominantly white people, why do we have such a hard time just saying, yes, nod your head and say, yes, I, I hear you, I receive that, I believe it's true, even to this day. Well, the easy answer for me would be to flip, flip that back on you and say, why, did, why not you, but why do people who have conversations in your, near you mm -hmm. or where you can hear them, yeah. why do they think that way? Yeah. Because most of those conversations aren't going to be had when I'm in the room. Sure. Um, but I would guess that it's the fear of losing something. That's good. Right. Uh, and, and whether it's, it's money, uh, prestige, power, influence, mm -hmm. the next promotion. Right. Um, just the fear of losing something. Yeah, you yeah. know, if I were white, I don't know that I would have. I don't think I would have the same perspective. But us opening up and being free and sharing as one doesn't really cost me anything, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, as it relates to white people. Right. It may cost me something as it relates to a woman pastor. It may cost me something as it relates to. Right. Uh, uh, an Hispanic community that's growing in the area that used to be black, mm -hmm. but the perspective of being the one who has been victimized by these things throughout the, the centuries 
kind of informs me that you can't do that to the next person. You, we've got to create a better way. Yeah. But I, I think it's the fear of just losing something that's that, that stops us from really opening up. Yeah. So what that really says is we have to do, in my opinion, we have our work to do as pastors because those who worship with us have to believe that God will supply all of their needs yes. richly and abundantly. It's good. You know, it's good. He will do it. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe that, then what are we here for? Oh, so good. You know. Yeah, I'm thinking about like the so-called, you know, like a, a scarcity mentality or mm -hmm. even I've heard another friend, I think it was a title of a book, my friend always uses the term an, or, an orphan mentality, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or an orphan spirit is a better word of putting it. And I, and I have to agree with you. I think that as people, pastors, leaders, family members, whoever, mothers, fathers, we have this unbelievable fear of losing something which mm -hmm. evokes this response that I need to protect or preserve or fight for something mm -hmm. when we instead would just let God fight our battles. Yeah. Instead, if we would just trust God with our sovereignty, even on the way here this morning, I was talking with our wife about pastors who are very discouraged right now. You know, mm -hmm. and so a lot of them maybe are afraid for their flock. They're afraid for their job. Yeah. And we've all battled that. Let's be real. Three pastors in the room. Mm -hmm. we've all, we've all, we all know that battle's real and it exists. Mm -hmm. But that's not our call. That's not our lane to, to because it's, it's it's the bride of Christ. Yes. And so if we can get that back to a parallel with you know the race conversation, I think we could and should that that we can swallow that reality that the, the systematic racism is real. This history, even though it may be shameful and shame filled and filled as you say filled with sin, which we believe at the core that's what yeah. it is. Those are the yeah. seeds of sin. That, that not that we have to be okay with it, but that we can trust God with how that is a critique of maybe our lives or how our role in it quote that's a whole nother question to jump into but i'd love to get your your heart and thoughts on that too because that's a big voice that we hear right is hey you know white folks you need to acknowledge the role you're playing in it you know what i mean and like yeah. you need to take a responsibility for how you're maybe the word is complicit in it well you know i think and it's, it's a tough question uh i'm sure but if you didn't own any slaves you you rightly say i never owned a slave sure if you're benefiting from a system that was built on slavery, well, that's an acknowledgement you have to make also. Mm -hmm. But does that mean that you're supposed to give me your house? Right. Nah, I don't believe so. Right. Just like somebody else who says, well, Lloyd, you benefited from this too because you were able to get good jobs. So Lloyd, give me your house. Mm -hmm. I would not, I would think not unless yeah. the clouds open and God said, you know. Right, <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but acknowledging and maybe, uh, this is just me talking yeah, from my perspective. Please. <clears throat> Treating, excuse me, <clears throat> a young man, and I don't know why, I, I, I don't want to make more of things than what they were, but for me it was a lot. You know, Bucky's dad took, led us on a missionary trip to Europe. Nobody, everyone smiles when I said I took a missionary trip to Europe, <laughs> to France. <laughs> but it was, it was a two-week tour. Mm -hmm. And I think for the Dennis's, it was real missions. Mm -hmm. For me, it was the most wonderful vacation that I had ever had in my life. I got to sing, play basketball, had a great time. Yeah. His dad did a whole, I mean, we had these new vans, we were floating around Europe in. I mean, I had to raise some money to go, yeah. but everybody knew the dentists really kind of powered this thing and made it <laughs> nice, right? Yeah. Um, and we had some conversations from time to time. He was very um, mentoring, mm. if, if, if to create a word, yeah. in that space and time that we had together. He, he was very uh, open with advice, uh, answered questions, 
be that person. Yeah. Be that person who's willing to not consider race, just consider people and uplift, help, lead, guide, yeah. whatever. You know, when you're the older person, when you have some leverage right. or something to give. Yeah. As opposed to just shutting the door and being afraid because you, you're afraid of the unknown. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so good. I love that. That's yeah. a great, great encouragement, Lloyd. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're in, in the white evangelical church, we're struggling with those of us that are on this journey and saying, I, I, I want to acknowledge something is there. And I don't quite understand it all, but I, I, I feel the Lord moving me to step into understand more to reach out and and then as we do that and we start to learn it's like what do we do mm-hmm. like what what do we do what, what what does the white church do to get involved in trying to heal this this gap and heal the wound and what do we do you know yeah. that, that, that's a great question and i don't think there's ever going to be one answer yeah because that puts us right back in the mindset that we all have grown up in mm-hmm. where there's us and them i think you do it one by one mm. You know, they're gonna, most of the laws, every, on paper, were great. You know, we, we were all born with inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's great. It's just on a case-by-case basis, we qualify it. Mm-hmm. And we, we create other things that make us feel like we're okay, and we do disadvantage other people. Sure. I think it's a case-by-case mm-hmm. uh, arena where we have to make our, our greatest strides. Beautiful. We got to start just treating people like people. Yeah, mm. that's good. Yeah, that's great. Hey, this has been so helpful, Lloyd. And you have to forgive me. I'm just the questions are pouring out of me because it's just you're really being so helpful, and I feel like a student right now. But there's one more one more question, at least sure. for me. And then Bucky, if you have anything else, you, you said earlier you, you talked about Bucky's dad, and mm-hmm. um, we know him around here as definitely one of the spiritual fathers of the community, mm-hmm. even behind the scenes. I can see that because he's so quiet and humble about it. Um, but you talked about mentoring, and I know we could both agree another word may be a spiritual father. Mm-hmm. How how important is that right now? I'll use some of the specific kind of political language, and then and then you can bridge that with the spiritual, or just go any way you want. But you know, I've heard I've heard arguments on both sides about the about the so called absent father myth mm-hmm. in the black community or Latino community or people of color communities. Or I I personally believe mm-hmm. it's national. I believe mm-hmm. there are people that are probably raised in the South that are white and didn't have any semblance of a dad around. You know, across the board. But I guess that's a whole other question. Um, do you think? that we have an absence of fathers and we need spiritual fathers. We need men and women, fathers and mothers, whether spiritual or biological, to step in the gap, you know, across the board right now. What's, what, can you speak into that? Well, I mean, when you read, when you read magazines and textbooks, um, ta- they talk about the breakdown of the nuclear family right. and fathers not being present. Mm-hmm. In my experience, the guys that I played ball with and who became cops and did other things, they're all married, most of them, not all of them, most of them are still married to the wives of their youth and they raise their families. The ones that are separated definitely raise their kids even mm-hmm. though they weren't together. Mm-hmm. And there, was, there were a couple of guys that had that experience. Yeah. Um, there are neighborhoods where there are no fathers though. Yeah. That's, that's, you, you can't deny that. Right. Um, so absolutely when you see a young person who needs something, Again, going back to this idea that Jesus meant when he said what he said, that Jesus meant what he said when he said that he sent his disciples out to all nations uh, and that he wanted um, us to be one. Yeah, help out the young person just because you have the capacity to do so. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, I didn't grow up with my dad. Um, uh, we, we, we reconnected when I was 19 and we've been. Uh, 
we're close now. We work toward that. Wow. Um, but there were other other uh, tremendous great men in my church who filled that gap. Yeah. They didn't raise me. They just did little bits here and there, and the Lord put it all together. Wow. And so different people came in at different times and played the father-like role. Mm. Um, and I still look for leaders in every area of my life. So I, I would like to think I made richer for it. But that happened in the body of Christ. It shouldn't just be that black folks help black folks and white folks help white folks. Right. We've got to shed, we, we have to stop seeing race as any more than like hair color, eye color. Mm. Uh, that doesn't mean that you first black person you see, you run out and say, hey, come to my house, come live with me. <laughs> right. right. The person probably wouldn't want to, to yeah. tell you the truth. <laughs> right. But I'm not saying make yourself so vulnerable that you just lose all common yeah. sense. Right. We're still human beings. Yeah. But the heart has to be open to just, we're people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it should start in the body of Christ. That's good. I would like to see the day when, when you walk into a church, you're family. Mm -hmm. And that's just it, a Christian church. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wouldn't that be a great way to witness to the world the love of Christ it's good. and yes. to take the lead as opposed to being the last person to acknowledge what everybody else already knew? Wow, mm. that's powerful. I love that, Lloyd. That's that great. is a great word to wind down yes. on. I think we could have lots more conversations, and hopefully we will. But I think that is such an amazing punctuation, Pastor Lloyd, to end on, is that the church does need to lead in this and does need to rise to the occasion and be that family that, that, that we talk a lot of watermark about being the beautiful bride. Let's yeah. make the bride beautiful mm, again yeah. by, by these everyday decisions and relationships that we build. So in Jesus name, we pray that that would be made possible through our leadership and through all those who are listening. So thank you so much, Pastor Lord, for taking the time, making the drive and being with us today. Ben, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's been awesome, Lloyd. Love it. I'd love to pray for Lloyd. Yeah, and, let's do that. Right and now. have Here him pray for us. Yeah, let's all do right. it. All right. Father, I thank you for my friend. I thank you for the journey that uh, we're on together and that you renewed this friendship and for such a time as this. I thank you for Lloyd's gifts, his family, his beautiful family, his service to our and the police force to L.A., the community around him, and now his pastoral leadership in that city. Lord God, bless him, anoint him, bless his church, his team that he works with. Right. And may there be more flourishing and more integration of a family in that community and in our community too. And as Lloyd said, that one day we will look at each other, as Martin Luther King even said, not for the color of skin, but by the content of our heart, we will view each other and we will be family. That's good. And we pray that that will happen. And we will make moves together towards that. Show us what to do. Right. And I thank you for Lloyd being with us here today, Lord. Mm. Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 <laughs> Thanks, you guys. And thank you guys for listening. Hey, you got a great church right there in our network right there to look up New Life LA. So if you're ever in the area, um, you need to show up and roll through because there's a great family there waiting to see you, connect with you, invite you in. And if this has been a helpful conversation for you today, you can share it. Send this link uh, through the website, through, through the podcast on iTunes. Share it with someone, post it somewhere because I know, I know, I know, I know that I was encouraged and I know other people will be too. So um, do that if it's been a blessing to you. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.